This is Multinew Media. Hi there, everybody. I am Chase Raz, and I want to give you a brief production note before the start of this episode. Um, first things first, the episode that you're about to hear was recorded a month ago before the uh, release date. So this uh, episode is being released on August 1st. Christopher Woodward and I recorded this episode sometime around July 1st, give or take a few days. So you'll hear a few backdated references to uh, July 4th. This relates to the other production note I want to give relating to the question, why such a delay? Well, as you can hear from the audio quality, I I really didn't want to let this file out and um, have one of those common podcast episodes that everybody seems to do where the episode is practically unlistenable and very almost aggravating to hear. So I've done a lot of post-production and I'm really proud to say that the episode, while featuring some echo and about four or five door slams, which can be a little bit abrupt, um, that weren't able to be removed from the audio in post. Uh, this episode is, believe it or not, quite listenable. Now, you may not want to do it on in-ear studio monitor type speakers, but um, for normal car listening, for listening at your desk at work, um, the audio quality, uh, hopefully, um, should not be to that level that we all know of uh, some podcasts where you just really can't even listen. Uh, I hope you do enjoy this uh, episode. It is episode 47, and we're talking about the top five or so technologies for home life. I'll be back, back in time technically, in about a minute with Christopher Woodward. Today, Christopher Woodward. Christopher, how are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to uh, tackling another list of, I, I think, a topic that a lot of people don't always think about when they think technology. So, what's the uh, what's the top five we're doing today? So, we're doing household technology. Household technology, good. And um, just a little bit of a production note here. If you hear a little bit of an echo or anything, we are once again on site in beautiful Orlando. You know, Orlando. That's your slogan, city beautiful. But uh, we're in a slightly echo-prone uh, location, staring out. This time, uh, last time we were outside. Yeah. And absolutely. now it's full-on summer, and it's not appropriate for that. So we're staring out the window in super cold air conditioning. Yeah, it's very cool at the moment, and occasionally people are walking by. So hopefully, it won't be anyone we know, so we won't have to stop and yell and out hello or anything like that. We'll leave it in if we do. So, top five household tech items. Gadgets, gizmos, whatever. Yeah, and I think it's such a unique topic only because so much of what we use we take for granted. And obviously we could say something like, you know, the light bulb, the electric light. I mean, we could get that basic when talking about household technology. 
or we could go, you know, full blown super nerd with the most high tech gadgets available. Well, you know me. I think I'm going to go full blown super nerd. So, do you want to kick things off with uh, the first item on your list? No, I, I don't. Um, I, I think you know I got to uh, do the intro earlier, so uh, let's have you start off. It's your turn. All right, and these are in no particular order tonight. So the first one I'm going to shoot out there, and again, it's one that's becoming more and more mainstream now, uh, and that's the smart lock. I'm, I'm sorry, did you say smart walk? Smart lock. Lock. Oh, I thought you were talking about a smart walk, like W-O-K. Ooh, that sounds even better. <laughs> they exist. Stir now, stir now. It's not burning, 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 burning. So a smart lock. A smart lock. Oh, we should point out. Right, and we say this every time. Disclaimer: We don't review each other's lists, and uh, definitely on my list. So go, smart yeah, go so, for it. So, I mean, obviously, home security a big part of what people are concerned about today, uh, and we could get heavy into security systems and things like that. But a smart lock, very simple for those that don't know what I'm talking about, it's a lock that you can engage remotely, and you can do it, you know, obviously through an app through your cell phone, your PC, through your tablet. Oh, I think I forgot to lock the front door. Let me check. You check your phone, you get a status, you can lock it. Vice versa. Maybe you got a repairman coming to your house. You're not going to get home in time. Uh, Your Uncle Bill is going to go and meet the repairman. But he doesn't have a key to your place. Again, you can use the app. Hey, Uncle Bill, you're standing at the front door. Click unlock it remotely. Uh, Obviously, huge advantage. If you're someone like me, I don't know about you, but I used to have a bad habit of leaving my apartment back when I lived in an apartment and wondering if I had locked the door or not. I would forget if I locked the door. That little bit of OCD? Little tiny bit. See, I make tea almost every day before I leave, hot tea. So uh, I'm more that way with the stove than with the door, but I understand. So I would sometimes end up walking down the flight of stairs and halfway up the block before I would go, um, better go back. And I would end up walking back, walking up. Now, of course, with the app. Meanwhile, you had locked it every time. Oh, every time. Every time. I never left it unlocked. Yeah. But again, so many, obviously, uses there for convenience. Uh, it's becoming more and more mainstream and becoming more and more affordable, too. So smart lock, first item on my list. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't the one I was going to bring up first, but uh, my list is also in no order. So I want to take it a little bit further, though, because the smart lock I sort of had in parentheses with mine. Uh, it had to be Wi-Fi enabled, but I wanted to specifically focus on two types of smart locks. One is a Wi-Fi enabled pin device. So what you can do is um, you can assign everybody a pen or somebody assigns himself a pen and it's all unique, right? The system makes sure that they have a unique pen. And then you say, well, okay, if your mother-in-law is coming over and you get a call, you can just go straight into your router, straight into your home network. And sorry, grant my mother-in-law access from 5 p.m. on until midnight tonight or whatever the case may be. I I like those systems because then you have friends. Maybe they're checking up on uh, plants or animals when you're out of town or on a business trip. You can say, all right, I'm going to give you access for this period of time for 48 hours. And then you're going to have to start ringing the doorbell again. Uh, the other type, so that that's a pen type, right, where people enter a, some type of key combination. Uh, the other type I like is also keyless, but it's the fingerprint style. Now, these tend to be a little bit more expensive, but I really do like fingerprint uh, access points. I have not invested in one yet, but uh, that's been the plan for a while. Fingerprint, uh, deadbolt, 
with Wi-Fi access so I can go through my secured home network and give anybody access at the correct time as long as I have their fingerprint in the system. And that way it's a little bit, the reason I like the fingerprint is it's a little more secure than the pin, right? If you're, if you're one of my acquaintances and maybe not a, let's say you give an acquaintance or a neighbor a pin, well, they can give that pin to someone else if they want to offload whatever it is they say they're doing to you. With a fingerprint, you can't, and that's what I like about it. And of course, fingerprint also really great for, you know, not that they really exist in this way, but with the latchkey kid, the right. child that lets themselves into their house every day. Obviously, the fingerprint can't risk losing the key, can't risk losing the number, fingerprint. But I think we both know the real reason you love the fingerprint technology so much is because of your love of Disney and their use of fingerprint <laughs> technology when checking no, ticket holders. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, if, so if anybody gets a reference, of course, Disney years ago went to a fingerprint biometric reader, and I think a lot, most of the other parks have now. I know the SeaWorld and Busch Gardens parks have. Um, I don't quite go to Universal as much, but the idea is when, when Disney started that, everyone was saying, oh, no one will ever, people don't want to do this. They don't want biometric. And for a long time, back in my college days when I worked for Busch Gardens at, when, when they were owned by Anheuser-Busch, that was the argument of we're, we had biometric technology, we wouldn't put it in because consumers didn't want to deal with it. And uh, so when Disney put that in, it was kind of like, no, I'm okay with it. I already wanted the fingerprint door lock at that time. I would suggest, though, just a little – we had a security episode a few episodes back. Uh, if you do have a Wi-Fi deadbolt and lock – why not go ahead and just put a manual deadbolt on as well so when you're at the house, you can go ahead and manually engage a second one and just be sure that someone can't crack that network. I mean, don't be paranoid about it, but it's it's a nice safety note to put in there. If you think about it, most homes you know, on their front doors would usually have you know, a door lock on the doorknob and also have a separate deadbolt, right. you know, a key version or what have you. just makes sense. You should always have really, in my opinion, for any door leading into or out of your home – it should always have two locks. And in this yeah. case, you could have one smart lock and one traditional. I think that'd work. Good. So we, we, we share on topic. What's, uh, what's your second item? Again, no particular order. So the second one is just going to be one that I know a lot of lazy people love. Uh, and that's the automated vacuum or the Roomba, I guess, is the most popular brand yeah. of automated vacuum. That's a good pick. Not on my list. Good. Keep Va- Vacuum cleaners, let's be honest, cleaning in general is usually a task that, unless you're, you're Bob Saget from the old Full House <laughs> television show, most people are not enamored with cleaning. It's a chore. It's something we have to get done. Uh, and vacuuming, especially if you live in you know a multi-floor home, it's one of the more annoying things you have to do. Even with today's lighter weight vacuums, you got to bring it up and down the stairs, vacuum every room. Uh, so the Roomba, which is the most popular brand name of these automated vacuums, essentially is a self-propelling vacuum cleaner using a sensor that actually detects where walls and solid points are and you set this item up and it will literally vacuum your entire floor without you having to bother doing anything and if there's an item in its way its sensors allow it to maneuver around the items so if for example you have a chair sitting somewhere where you normally don't have a chair the item will detect that chair and will work around it um, again, just a time-saving device, an amazing piece of technology, and again, an item that has gotten cheaper and cheaper, or I should say more reasonably priced, really fast. And, and it's an item yeah, that started out so expensive, down. and now certainly is becoming more consumer-friendly. 
I think so. That's that's a good pick. And something I really ought to do um, is, is it just me or does everybody have that embarrassing moment sometimes when, you know, maybe someone's coming over or you're just looking around your place and you're thinking, mm, my house is a little dirty right now. I should vacuum it. Does everybody get this thought that I get in the back of my head of when's the last time that I've actually vacuumed and you have to think and sometimes it's not days. It may not even be weeks yep. sometimes. Um, it's it depends on how often people are coming over and just what you have going on and what projects. So I, it gets embarrassing when I start calculating in multiple weeks. And sometimes it's also rooms because I know I have a bad habit. Like you said, if someone's coming over, right? The first thing I would do with a traditional vacuum, I would grab it and I would vacuum. Obviously, the living room, the front hallway, right? Try to make sure the kitchen because everybody always ends up in your kitchen, kitchen area, and and I have a playroom for my children. That's the areas I vacuum. I can't tell you the last time I actually vacuumed the master bedroom with an actual vacuum right. cleaner. With a Roomba. Although, funny, you know, that's the most recent for me. It's my office that, and don't judge me, I never, I, I put, you know, a hard surface down. It's a carpeted office. Um, uh, I didn't want to change the flooring type from anything else. So I have the hard surface for the rolling chair and everything else. And I kind of look under there sometimes and think, hmm. I probably ought to bring a it's vacuum. It's not dust bunnies. It's a dust army under there. But, but again, more like paper clips and rubber bands and that type of stuff. The automated vacuum would take care of those neglected rooms. Right. That even when you have company, you still don't go and vacuum manually. I think I'm going to stick for my second pick on this a security thread for a little bit. And I really like, speaking of entryways and doorways, I really like, um, and I'm, I'm going to kind of combine some things here, but I mean the spirit of this category. Uh, a video doorbell or a closed circuit security system. Something where you can see what's going on, it's motion activated or it's doorbell activated. I don't particularly care um, if it is doorbell activated. I really like the motion activated things more than anything. You can see when the um, postal service or, or any other uh, type of uh, parcel has been delivered. You can see if people are messing with your lawn when you're not there. Sometimes with the newer systems get alerts letting you know that something has encroached upon your yard that's larger than a dog or a cat. And um, those types of things I really like. Now some of the newer video doorbells have uh, two-way communications on your cell phone so you can pretend to be there even when you're not. But for a long time it's been something I've wanted to put in along with that fingerprint deadbolt. It's um, being able to just talk with someone so I don't have to get up, I can just tell my TV to switch over to the doorbell and talk to that person and say, you know, I, I guess I should preface this. Most of my doorbell traffic is unsolicited <laughs> solicitors. So I'd like to just be able to sit there and say, okay, whatever, you know, no offense to anyone, but whatever you're selling, whatever your kids are selling, I'm, I'm probably interested, but on my own time, or more importantly, um, whatever religious pamphlet you're here to give me today or whatever vacuum cleaning special, we already talked about the vacuums, right? We already know I'm not interested. So just go ahead. I can, I can see someone face to face and tell them, leave it at the door. All right. Secure, obviously anything security wise, you know, technology is advanced at, uh, you know, video cams, motion detected cams. A lot of people have motion detected lights outside. That, that was the obvious next step. The light, the camera, um, the action. The action. Know. Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely. glad you went for it. I was going to if you didn't. It, absolutely. It makes sense. And 
Yeah, it, it is also convenient to be able to look at a video and then to be able to yell at them, you know, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. Right. You may not have entrance here. And I won't go so far as to promote things like Samsung's new refrigerators with cameras in them. And I, I think that's great. I think being able to see inside your home, whether it's your refrigerator, whether it's your kid's playroom, whether it's uh, just out in your backyard to make sure no one's messing around uh, in the garden or in the swing set or whatever. I think all of that's important. And I think each person just has to pick what element of that is most important to them. For me, um, quite frankly, it'd probably be... Uh, uh, closed circuit security system. Yeah, see, seeing inside my fridge doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because inevitably I still have to get up to go get the item to eat it. But I could understand if maybe I was looking in my fridge while at work to right. figure out if I need to go buy while at work or at the store. That's the marketing yeah. angle they're taking. I think that's a little unnecessary. I mean, you can set that up with a cheap webcam, most likely, rather than buying a. I have no idea what does that thing cost three, four thousand dollars. I guess I haven't even looked at it. But you know, any type of that smart home. Okay, I'm not going quite full smart home, but but uh, video, uh, especially available over the internet or uh, your home network. I'm going to go to my next item. I'm, I'm going to step away from kind of secure practical items for a minute, and I'm going to go full geek here a little bit. Do it. Talk about smart home. Uh, basically, and, and I'm going to use a brand name for this one, uh, the Amazon Echo. Basically setting yourself up with... Forget about a Bluetooth speaker letting you listen to music. How about having something where you can just yell out Google searches, yell out things you want looked up, and have it respond to you? To me, it is, we talk about sci-fi a lot when I do these uh, podcasts with you. You know, you talk about like Buck Rogers and the, you know, lights on or the old, uh, was the Captain Picard thing? T, Earl Grey. You hot. keep calling it old, but I see all of this as the future. <laughs> <laughs> old, old television, future technology. Right, right. Um, to me, Amazon Echo is a big part of that. You know, this idea of an interactive Bluetooth speaker that essentially allows you to be hands-free and access, just like you know we have with our telephones now, you know, with Siri and whatnot, to have that in your home and be able from anywhere in your home to yell something out and get that response, get that information you want instantly. Again, it's that next step towards a smart home. I agree with that one. I, you know, I think the only reason I, I don't have an Amazon Echo is because um, I, I did sort of buy into the Xbox One and have a Connect back when they forced you to buy one with it. And uh, unfortunately, my Connect is broken and uh, my wife loves to laugh at me the number of times that I've tried to talk to the TV and say, you know, volume up or volume down or whatever. So it, I don't necessarily um, know too much about the Echo other than the marketing materials that I've seen and that I really want one so I can do that Jeopardy game. You watch Jeopardy? I watch Jeopardy, yes. They, they always have that sixth question for each category, and it's apparently only available in, in speaking form on uh, on Amazon Exa, um, Echo. I just mixed Echo and Alexa. Sorry, the, the uh, two options of what you can call it are mixing up in my head. Exa. Excellent. Right. Why, why not? Um, but I like that type of idea. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna try to one up you a little bit here. Oh, though. Yeah. So you were talking about go beyond just a Bluetooth speaker, and I think this device that you're talking about, the Echo, or whether you use you know a, a video game console or whatever for that functionality, I think we can one up it on the back end and use that and connect it to some type of media server. Some type of NAS, some type of media server, and we just had an episode on this. I think one or two episodes ago. I don't know. I'm losing. I'm losing 
my mind, first of all, but losing count uh, as a byproduct of that. But having a media server um, at your home that you can access through the computer, through the cell phone, through one of these voice uh, command controls like uh, Echo or Connect, I, I really think having that type of what I was calling in that episode a personal cloud, your computer crashes, oh well, you have RAID redundant storage that's at your home. Uh, you forget to bring a file with you to work. Oh well, just log into your home network and there everything is. And I think I think just like that step up from a Bluetooth speaker to the input-output device of, let's call it a home assistant, I really don't know what to call that category and that's almost embarrassing. But step up to that and then on the back end, let's one-up that even more and put something super powerful or you know, compared to what most people do, super powerful on the back end that lets us run our own media server and our own cloud. Yeah, I mean, the, the potential is, is there for, for your, your home to be covered by your cloud. Okay, that was a really bad part of this. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think I, uh, I almost, I should have bit on that one, but I didn't because we're actually looking out of the windows. I'm staring at clouds as you say it. So my mind was thinking too literally to get that joke. See, there you go. Just went over your head like the clouds. Yeah, everyone listening is, is thinking, wow, that, that was kind of funny. That was a good pun. And meanwhile, I'm staring at a literal oh, cloud, not getting it, just lost in space. Uh, so uh, next up on my list, um, again, we're going to go back to kind of the safety security concept for a little while here. Uh, the smart smoke detector. Hmm. Uh, you, I mean, you talk about a technology that has, saves lives and a technology that at least in my lifetime, at my age, I've got to watch grow from the, it's a smoke detector. It emits a loud beeping noise. Right. That's all it does. To the smoke detector that will actually dial up the fire department. Okay. To the smart smoke detector that will actually, you know, illuminate or set off emergency lights in your home when it detects smoke. See, that's to, what I was going to ask. I was going to ask, what's the difference between a smoke alarm and a smart well, now you'll actually have smoke detectors that will, and, and again, it depends on the brand and the style. There's many different types out there. You can actually have a smoke detector that's actually hooked into your house where it will shut down the power in your house. So that way, if it's an electrical fire, it will turn off your hot water heater. It will turn off the boiler in your house. It will turn off all appliances in your house if it detects smoke, depending on the settings and have it set up. So once again, it's instead of just a loud beeping noise, which was the earliest smoke detector, mm -hmm. it now literally can turn off appliances, take over controls in your house. Uh, again, if you have a sprinkler system, it can engage a sprinkler system. It can also section off the house. Mm. There are actually smart smoke detectors that can be tied in to doors and lock doors or close doors even. And again, this is more for businesses than right. necessarily personal use. But I can see it becoming a part of personal use, too. If you're someone who has an art gallery and yeah. there's smoke in one room, well, maybe you want the smart smoke detector to not engage the sprinklers in the art gallery unless absolutely necessary. Right. Smart smoke detectors is, again, it's an emerging technology, but already there's so many different types out there. And I only did some research uh, getting ready for this episode, but it really fascinates me how much more intuitive that these uh, new smart smoke detectors are. And, and it almost brings me to it tangent here that um, you know we always joke about not looking at each other's list but I, I have to say I didn't expect us both to go so far towards the smart home 
I mean, it almost should be obvious, I guess, we're talking about household technology, but I thought maybe we'd go a little more gadgets, and it seems like so far, um, you're four items in, I'm three items in, we're, we're very much on the smart home track. And I'm not going to change that because I'm going to backtrack from the, the detector, although I do, I, I'll say this, I keep a list of things I want in a home when I eventually have the ability to build my own, work with a designer, work with an architect, that's, some, that's one of my life goals is to build my own home. Um, well, not me actually build it, but, you know, have it built. Mm-hmm. And to my custom spec, not these prefab houses that we have so commonly in Florida and everywhere else in the U.S. now. Um, I really like the idea of a smoke alarm being able to connect to the uh, smoke detector, connect to the fuse box and all these other things and shut off whatever the problem is. But one of the problems that we have even outside of an emergency, every single day, and this is very much a Florida concern, but also um, other parts of the United States as well, and uh, and then it becomes an up north concern in the winter. I really think something that is one of the best things we can look at for our homes, and the prices come down a lot, are programmable thermostats. You know, I manually adjust mine. I have not switched it out. I keep looking every time I go to the home improvement store. The prices are down from about $350 down to $100 now. I just saw a smart, programmable, Wi-Fi enabled thermostat from Honeywell. It was something like only $75, $80. About the same price as a regular thermostat or, or where they used to be. And the idea of saying, all right, during these hours, everybody's at work or everybody's at school. Let's go ahead and raise or lower the temperature as the case may be. Uh, and then not have to worry about it. Because how much money, and how much more importantly on the environmental aspect, how much power do I waste and, and everyone else out there where uh, I, I'm a big guy, I like it cool, but what if I forget to turn that thermostat up and I leave at eight or nine in the morning and no one's getting home until eight or nine at night, right? That's why, that's why you go for that security camera. But what if you're gone for 12 hours and you forgot to turn it up? How much power, how much electricity, how much money are you wasting in that case? And I think a programmable thermostat is something that all of us can do. It's about a $100 purchase and for most of us probably a little bit of installation cost. And that's probably our first total match that we've had because thermostat was on my list. Oh, well, uh, you should have interjected and, and gone for it. Oh, well, yeah. I'm interjecting right now and I'm telling you that one of the things, and I agree with what you said, if you leave your house in the morning and you're not returning until the evening, to spend money having your house cooled down at 12 noon right. to 65 degrees or 70 degrees when you're not going to be home until several hours after, it makes no fiscal sense at all. It's a worthy investment just out of the out-of-pocket cost that you're going to save in the long run. Also, the environmental factor. But again, I also, again, thermostats, they're programmable. They're also Wi-Fi and app enabled. So you could actually decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to be home in an hour. Go ahead and cool it down. And boy, I'm going to cool it down now. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bring it down now. Because again, it's that whole, when you go away on vacation, you know, you go away, oh, I live in Florida. I'm going to go away on vacation. You know what? I'm going to turn this sucker. I'm I'm, I'm going to put it up at like 75. Right. Because I don't need the house cool. I'm going to be in it for a week. This is making me ask. We're we're in Florida here. It's 97 degrees outside as we record right now, this Mm -hmm. very moment, um, in the early afternoon. What do you keep your house at? I keep my house right now? Yeah. I keep my house at like 
69. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. I'm jealous. Do you have solar panels on your home? No, I don't. I don't even want I to pay, pay your power bill. I really don't want to pay your power bill. Um, I pay a lot. This but, but that's exactly the point, though. When I go on vacation, yeah. then what happens? I get home. My house is way too hot for me. Right. So now, oh. That's Turn okay. everything down and wait for it to get cool. That's okay. You're from New York. We'll let it slide. Give it a few years. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll take until you're 80. But everybody at some point goes, oh, 80's fine. So uh, uh, as a Floridian, this is the coldest I have ever kept in my house. This year is the coldest. And I keep it at 73 overnight, 75 in most of the day. Although I'm a little bit guilty here. Um, as more municipalities start going towards some renewable energy... I'm willing to pay for a little bit more energy. If you understand where I'm going, I'm willing to use a little more energy as they go towards renewable. And so I'm flirting with this idea of 71 to 73 more and more. Uh, when I first moved in, it was 78. I kept it at 78 all the time, and I can't stand that anymore. Too hot. So you use a lot of portable fan stuff? No. You know, the first thing, when, when, that's a good question though. When, when, um, when, a, when we bought the house and maybe this is, uh, this really isn't just a Florida concern now in Chicago, it may only matter one week out of the year, but, sure. uh, the first thing we did not only for home value and for comfort was install ceiling fans. There was not one ceiling fan in my house when I bought it and that disturbed me. I don't know why you Anyway, so um, I could go on a tangent about that, but that was the first thing we did. So I do run ceiling fans occasionally, even when I put the thermostat up, 75, 76, 77, 78 while I'm away, uh, 80 if I'm gone for the week. Uh, I will potentially still run a fan and um, just to keep the air circulating so the smell doesn't up. <laughs> so did I steal your last one? No, I have one more. I, one more was more of a uh, just a, a gizmo yeah. that I love, but uh, not, not as serious as I am. So I'm going to go back to your list because do you have one more? I only I only have one more and it's a quick one. So let's get it out of the way and we'll go to your last, uh, okay. your gadget there. Mine, I oh, I feel bad. I hope I'm not stealing it. Uh, I'm a gardener. Okay, no, we're in different worlds. So we could go to a lot of different places about automated watering or anything like that. But what I think is more important, maybe this is the Floridian in me speaking, or maybe it's the gardener. But I think that more homes, not all, but more homes should have weather centers. And if you look at the website Weather Underground, it's made up of all these independent weather stations of people buy these one, two, three, four, five hundred dollar, sometimes thousand dollar installations because meteorology is important to that person. And then all that data gets aggregated and we can make better predictions. We can, instead of having the temperature being taken only at your local airport, which isn't very accurate all the time, uh, we can get more. Uh, more data. So I think for a lot of us, a weather center is important. And what my, I guess, um, my holy grail, if you will, I didn't want to use that term. I want to look for something better. Maybe I'll edit it in post, probably won't. But what I really look for in a smart home is can I take the data from my weather center, use it to, uh, through an algorithm to automatically control that programmable thermostat, and then still let me you know, dial in whether I'm there remotely and override anything that I don't want to happen and set parameters. Um, so that was my last one is a weather, th weather center I think is really important, especially if you garden or if you're really into lawn care um, or just want to save money and know, and this is a Florida trick, does it maybe someone in Texas does this out, out west and, and uh, uh, Arizona or whatever, but does anybody else, if it's really hot, if it gets over 100 degrees, 
I take a sprinkler or water hose and I, I hose off the roof. Um, my neighbors look at me like I'm bad crazy when I do it, but it, it, um, it does have an effect. Just o- open your, uh, open your attic door, the, the ladder to your attic and then hose off your roof and you'll get a nice little, uh, temperature decline. Well, yeah, no, I mean, and a weather center, again, it ties into that smart home idea. You connect it to your sprinkler system. You can connect it to everything else, all these different functions. Okay, don't pretend that you're not giving me the look, too, like my neighbors do when I described hosing off my roof. I'm getting a funny look from you. I will be hosing off my roof soon, but only because it's almost July 4th, uh, and I worry about rogue fireworks, and I have a pine tree near my house, and a lot of dead needles on my roof often. So uh, it's like a kindling invitation up there, I think. Yeah. So my last time, it's funny, you mentioned being a gardener. Well, um. A carnivore. I am a meat eater, and I am a griller. Nice. And I love to grill, and I love to barbecue. So my gizmo, which if you don't have one, and you're any kind of griller or chef, an instant read meat thermometer. The technology for instant read thermometers has gotten so much better in the last couple of years. It amazes me. Now, everyone knows the traditional meat thermometer, you know, the big spike. You stick it in the roast. You wait and wait and wait for the dial to go. Or even if you have the digital one, you still wait for the numbers to You're still waiting, waiting, waiting. Now, they've gotten so much better with these. Literally, they have some. It'll be like a little – almost folds out like a pocket knife Mm -hmm. with a spike. Or they have ones that are set up like a fork where you just get – obviously, don't get as deep with the fork. But you literally put it in. And that's it. It reads instantly. It gives you numbers. It'll give you, you know, Celsius, Fahrenheit. Some of them have little settings that'll tell you if it's rare, medium rare, medium well. Now, if you're someone like me, for example, I like meat in all of its many enjoyable forms. Hey, you're preaching to the choir. I like it rare. I like it medium. Oh, wait, wait. I don't like it rare. I, I like it well done sometimes. I like it all different ways. However, when you have family members who insist it's got to be medium well. It's got to have just that trace of pink into the beef. Yeah. If it goes any bloodier, uh, no, don't want it. And, of course, if it goes well done and it's brown, it's shoe leather. You know? And sometimes with different sizes of meat, different hunks of meat. I mean, again, these are all issues that even if you're a great grill master, inevitably it happens to you. You overcook, you undercook, whatever. You run into issues because... Of the size of the meat, maybe you put right. too, maybe too many things on your grill at once, or you use charcoal like yeah. I do, and it's unpredictable. Weather factors, breeze factors. Like I said, you get a bad batch of charcoal, yeah, burns off too fast. Humidity like can that. affect gas and charcoal equally. All of these things happen. I also know people that they grill great, and one day they go, "Oh well, if one steak takes me this long, I'll do five. Right. And all of a sudden, well, you don't realize you're sharing that heat now, especially if you do like indirect cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're cooking things like chicken or ribs indirectly. So, to me, for a, a tech gizmo of household use, or I guess backyard use too, to me, I absolutely love these new instant read meat thermometers. They are fantastic. And if anybody wants me to endorse one, feel free to send me a sample <laughs> and I'll do some commercials for you. But right now, I've just gotten a new one and I'm not going to mention the company because they're not paying me. But it is just fantastic, especially when you're cooking burgers. For five people, and they all want them done differently. Yeah, and you know, I, I live a ketogenic lifestyle, so you are preaching to the choir. Uh, it is meat, 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 and a little bit of green leafy vegetables is my my normal go-to. And uh, oh, now I'm hungry. So I think it's time for us to sign off and tell everyone out there uh, listening to us uh, goodbye for now. 
uh, because you and I, sir, have to have a little bit of a disagreement and maybe have to go step outside and um, you know figure this out the old-fashioned way. There are some cuts of meat that, well done, is not overcooked. Right, we'll battle that out later as Chase tells me why he likes to make beef jerky out of his steaks. Not beef jerky, ostrich. I do not like ostrich anything under well done. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.